special episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. Um, in this episode today, we'll be covering the first two playoff matches that have taken place. Both games are at you know half time, as as you'd say in the the playoffs at the moment. Uh, today, I'm joined by uh, Daniel. He's first time on the podcast, uh, Aston Villa fan. So I know you'll be um, sort of wanting to talk about the game yesterday. But first of all, yeah, thank you for coming on, Daniel. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Uh, yeah, this is obviously uh, my first time on the Championship podcast and Championship Roundtable even. Uh, and hopefully, don't mean this in a bad way, lads, but hopefully my last time uh, yeah. for, for, for a while. Uh, so, yeah, no, um, obviously I'm, I'm a Villa fan. I uh, am involved in another Aston Villa podcast called the uh, 7500 to Holt Holtcast. Uh, and obviously we're talking a lot about Villa recently because we've been in a good run of form. And... Yeah, I'm a very happy Villa fan right now. Yeah, understandably, I've uh, sort of just about recovered from Preston's disappointment of missing out on the playoffs on the final day, and um, I'm, you know, taking the playoffs in as a whole now. Which, as a Preston fan, tends to be the case unless we find ourselves down in the League One playoffs. We're not quite there yet to to get into the Championship playoffs, but you know, hopefully from next season we can put up a bit more of a challenge. Sort of, we'll start first of all uh, chronological order. Go across to the. The Derby Fulham game on Friday night. If I was to put a bet on, I would have gone with uh, Fulham at least getting a draw out of the game. So the the Derby win, you know, caught me by surprise. Sort of as I've seen with the two playoff games so far, sort of a recurring theme: the team that's come out with the one nil win has had you know substantially less possession, and this was the case in the <laughs> Derby game. Um, I don't know if you saw the game, Daniel, but just sort of your thoughts on it first as a whole. Did you expect Derby to to get a win against a very good Fulham side? I'll say that I, I, I was I was expecting Fulham to get the job done. However, I'm not at all surprised that Derby beat them. And I'm not at all surprised about it because Fulham off the back of some very, very good form just burst at the last moment against Birmingham City. And when that defeat came in against a... And, you know, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Villa fan, but a fairly poor Birmingham City side, you knew that something was wrong there. And... It was two games in a row that Ryan Sessignon was essentially ineffective. Don't know what happened, but I think Andre Wisdom somehow or another managed to cut him out of the game. Um, and obviously the two Derby central midfielders and Johnson and Huddleston again, you know, making life incredibly difficult for, for a strong midfield that, that Fulham do have. Um, and yeah, despite Fulham's possession, at the end of the day, yeah, when you've got, five, when you've got sort of the sort of formation that, that Derby put out there, uh, you know, with four sides basically tucking in as a third centre-back half the time. Uh, it just it just made things really, really difficult for them. And uh, Cameron Jones is the sort of striker that will just pop in with an important goal every now and then. Yeah, definitely. I think on the point you mentioned about Sessegnon, you know, for how good he's been over the last, I'd say, 18 months, you know, it was really sort of midway through last season he burst onto the scene. Quite a lot of, and sort of, it gets brought up all the time, you know, just how good he is. And, you know, rightfully so, he earns those plaudits. But, sort of on the back of a very grueling championship season, we've got to remember, you know, he's still a teenager. I think, as you mentioned, the last couple of games, he's gone off the boil a little bit, but, you know, still a dangerous player. And I think it might just be the case of, you know, a long season catching up with him. You know, he's still a young player, not got that experience yet to sort of pace himself over a game. And, you know, for Fulham, sort of especially, that's come at, you know, the worst possible time, especially in the Birmingham game. And, we were talking to Russ, the Fulham fan who comes on this podcast, uh, sort of previewing the the Derby Fulham game, and you know he was hopeful that you know the defeat against Birmingham was a bit of a blessing in disguise that it had 
you know, let them focus again, ready to go again. But it seems to have had, you know, the opposite effect that I wouldn't say they've let their heads go down, but it's, you know, not their confidence quite a bit missing out on the last day, especially if they'd have carried on that winning streak. You know, it'd be Cardiff in the playoffs now and Fulham would be, be on their holidays. So I think the, the game at Craven Cottage, um, this week, you know, is going to be absolutely crucial that they, they get off on the front foot like they like to do at Craven Cottage. I think the mm. longer it goes on with Derby with that 1-0 lead, you know, the experience that Derby's got, especially in the middle of the park, you know, players like Huddleston all sort of raise their game, you know, in, in those big games. And I think the Fulham fans can't sort of will get quite restless you know unless they can sort of hit them you know from the off um i don't know if you agree with that daniel or not you, you know what like so uh, what what i seem to think has happened is that is that fulham have gone from being you know plucky underdogs that were always in with a chance of, of basically of basically you know outdoing outdoing cardiff and going into automatic promotion to all of a sudden being put in the same pot as aston villa derby and and middlesbrough and i think that that one thing that's that's basically happened there is it might have been a bit of an anticlimax, and I, and I do think that, that disappointment is as 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 basically um, stemmed back onto the players. Now I don't know what it was against Birmingham City, but it was almost the first game where they had the pressure on them. They of course had to do well in that game to finish second. Uh, whereas it, you know we, we, we were coming from a point where they weren't necessarily expected to 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 go above Cardiff, and now you know in that Derby game we saw that happen again. Derby essentially roughed them up. I think it was something like 15 fouls that Derby committed on them to, you know, just the five from Fulham. Um, you know, just looking back on some of the statistics from the game, you know, despite the fact Fulham Fulham basically hammered them, um, you know, possession-wise, Curtis Davis and Forsyth, you know, they they just they just made the defending look look easy, uh, and you know that could be to do with Mitrovic, Sessegnon, and Ayite just being a little bit low on confidence now and just being a little bit under pressure. Me personally, I think Derby are going to finish the job. Yeah, I um, if I was sort of to take a sort of a neutral view across it at the moment, you know, Derby I think are firmly in the driving seat, and as I mentioned, that experience that they've got, I think, you know, it's going to be a lot harder than you know people have sort of made it out for for Fulham to you know get a result there. They've had obviously they've been on that fantastic run, but as you said, you know, their confidence is knocked and. It's going to be sort of a real test of character for them to see, you know, how they do come out and sort of approach the game. And I think definitely out of the sort of the two semi-finals, I think this one I'd say more so. Um, you couldn't call which way it's going to go. Um, but then to to move on to the Aston Villa game, obviously you know I imagine you're delighted with the mm. with the result to go to Middlesbrough, quite a difficult place to go. Um, I think you'd agree. I know when Preston went there this season, we found it very tricky. Just managed to you know scrape a nil-nil draw, and sort of looking back, it was one of our sort of hardest earned points of the season. Sort of looking at the game as a whole, again, as I mentioned, it follows that pattern of the Derby-Fulham game. Middlesbrough had lots of the ball. You know, I say more shots. Um, quite a lot of them were off targets. So I wouldn't look sort of too much into that. But again, Aston Villa come away with the 1-0 win. And sort of looking down your team, we've, we've covered Villa quite a bit this season with uh, sort of how well they've done. One of the players that I wouldn't have had as, you know, a, a sort of in quote goal threat going into the game, uh, Yedinak comes up with a goal in the 15th minute so talk us through the game as a whole and <laughs> would you have would you have had him down as a scorer or has that sort of come out of the blue to you all right listen right Mile Yedinak is the guy who scored the hat trick for for Australia to take them into the World Cup 
<laughs> going into the World Cup, right? He's just getting he's getting his head back in the game. So look, no, Emile Adenak, obviously, he's he's you know he's a defensive midfielder. He's been deployed at centre back quite a lot by Steve Bruce this season. Um, but to the goal itself, he he rose he rose well for it. I don't think Middlesbrough did a very good job of of stopping Villa from set pieces. And you know the irony is that Tony Pulis got outdone on set pieces. I think Steve Bruce personally from watching the game the amount of corners that were whipped in the amount of in-swingers that, that that were put in by Aston Villa and the amount of of movement that we saw uh suggests to me that Steve Bruce has been doing a lot of work on those on those set pieces and uh generally if you do want to look at Mila Yedinak as a threat he's either a threat from taking penalties or from basically rising uh, in those kinds of situations uh when, when the board is lofted into the box so uh, I was delighted to see that ball go in it's been a while since I've seen a since I've seen a set piece uh, scored by Aston Villa. I don't have it down as much of a set piece team, and uh, obviously that that goal immediately sifted the focus from Middlesbrough and 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 had Tony Pulis uh, on the ropes, speak, uh, and having to go on the offensive himself. Yeah, definitely, it was great to get that early goal for you, and you know in the derby game as well, two goals sort of early on in the tie, uh, sort of in the first half sort of sets the tone then for the rest of the game. How do you sort of see the, the game down at Villa Park going this week? Do you expect you to come out on the front foot, sort of as is the way of Aston Villa at Villa Park, or do you expect it to be quite a cagey game where sort of neither side will be looking to make mistakes? I think definitely in this game, the the next goal sort of in the tie is going to be absolutely crucial. If you get it, you know, I, I can see you sort of running out quite comfortable winners with the attacking mm. sort of talent you've got, especially if Middlesbrough have to go for it. I think you could hit them on the break and, you know, score a couple. But, you know, we never write off a Tony Pulis side the the experience he's got and quite a lot of the team that he's got, you know, have have sort of decent experience in this division as well. How do you sort of see the game mm. going as a whole down at Villa Park? Well, look, I think it's I think it's worth just putting plaudits out there for Middlesbrough team. You know, obviously as a Villa as a Villa fan, I, I, you know, I want to I want to praise some of the players that, that that Middlesbrough have. Obviously, right, George Friend, you know, very experienced as a as a, as, a, as a left back alongside Ryan Sharton, who also played a very you know played a blinder, I think, against Aston Villa. I thought he did really well. Uh, two centre backs as well. You know, their, their defence are, are always are always tough to get past. They've got a well experienced midfield. Mohamed Bisic, Housen, and Clayton as well. They, they they all do a tremendous job. Downing and Traore are going to be the danger men for Aston Villa. So I mean, sorry for for Middlesbrough, right? Now, my, my, my worry is, right, having seen Ahmed El Mohamedi go off injured is that we either replace him with James Bree, a young centre-back, or, I'm sorry, a young full-back who we, who we signed off Barnsley uh, not, not too long ago, uh, or Berkier Bjarnason shifted into an unfamiliar full-back situation. Now, if you saw the last game, what Aston Villa did was, wherever, wherever Adama Traore went, Alan Hutton went as well. So Villa actually switched their fullbacks around a couple of times. I wonder if it's going to be difficult for us if Middlesbrough do attempt to go down the wing and uh, one of our fullbacks are, is, are missing. So that's that's the worry that I do have. Patrick Bamford is also probably going to be coming in for, for a somber longer. Um, I do see this being cagey, though. I see this being as cagey as the last game. I sort of joked that it was a difficult game for a neutral to sit through. But in that second half, Aston Villa basically did park the bus. No two ways about it. I will say that again. Villa did park the bus and Middlesbrough found no way through. I don't think that's going to happen in the next game. I think Villa will try to go on the offensive early and try to grab one goal um, to try and put the goal, put, try and put the game past Middlesbrough. Um, I'm predicting a 1-0 to Villa. Yeah, no shame in parking a bus whatsoever. We've done that a few times this season, you know, to, to sort of great effect, which is part of the reason why we had such a good season 
considering sort of how well we did, I'd, I never thought Preston would have finished that high sort of in the league. So, you know, no shame in that, especially in the playoffs where it's, you know, knockout football. So I think, yeah, sort of looking at the game as a whole from a neutral, I, I agree with every point you made there. I think obviously the next goal in the tie is going to be key, as I said earlier, but I, I do see Aston Villa having sort of a bit too much, especially with the, the experience you know, of players like Hutton, Terry at the back to, to do a job and grind out the result. You know, Jack Grealish has been, you know, great for you again this season. Um, sort of just before we sort of move on, Aston Villa last season, same with Middlesbrough, I suppose. Both teams, you know, expected to be up in the Premiership, found it quite difficult to sort of adapt last season. How has this season gone as a whole for you? Obviously, you're in the playoffs, uh, which is fantastic. Did you expect playoffs at the start of the season? And, and how has the side evolved over the past sort of 12 months? Right, we we, we, we we did quite poor last season. Uh, we still had the remnants of a, of a very poor relegated side uh, that was brought down by numerous numbers of, I mean, not numerous years of, um, of, of basically, um, uh, what's, the, what's the word? Uh, years of uh, devolution, should I say, um, you know, thanks to, thanks to poor owners. Uh, when Tony Zia came in, obviously, uh, he helped Villa get back to a decent level, but even still, we were only a mid-table championship side last year. At the start of the season as well, we did poorly. Uh, it didn't look like we were going to improve much. And I think I remember saying that we would finish around about sixth. So with fourth, I'm happy. Uh, I do think that we should have done better near the end of the season This uh, to obviously beat teams like Bolton and QPR, something we should have done. We should have been closer to those automatic playoffs, um, and I think that that's something that we should have targeted. But with fourth, I'm happy. And I think uh, in terms of Steve Bruce, I think he's done a tremendous job uh, with this side. You know, players have come into their own, uh, such as Conor Hurahan, looks, you know, a totally different player to the player that we signed. Uh, Jack Grealish has come on leaps and bounds since since uh, Steve Bruce has been working with him as well. And uh, I never expected a guy like John Terry to be playing for us. Uh, in general, I think we've had a good season. I don't think that, you know, whatever happens in these playoffs, I don't think we should we should get rid of him. I think we, we really need to be sticking with him next season, personally. Um, I'm, I'm happy with the way things have gone. And it's good to see us winning games more often than not. Yeah, I remember that QPR game, just to go a bit off topic. I had an accumulator on that day. Um, probably the listeners know I'm a bit of a betting man, and that was the only <laughs> the only game that let me down on my accumulator. So that one sticks in the memory. And uh, I didn't go for Aston Villa on any sort of subsequent accumulators for the rest of the season then. So that one uh, definitely sticks in the memory. One actually, sort of while I'm on the sub- off topic, funny things that I saw in the week was, and I don't know if you saw it, a video, uh, a video that an Aston Villa fan posted on Twitter. Um, I think it was in the pub before, after the, the game against Middlesbrough, where there's a Middlesbrough fan uh, <laughs> stood in a, stood in a, a, a friend t-shirt uh, or match shirt, should I say, um, and doing obviously the, the classic in between us joke behind him. So I did, I did think that was funny um, when I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, that's the one. Um, but obviously, not to sort of get ahead of yourselves. Um, obviously, there's still a second leg to come in in each game, and you know only the goal in it in each tie as well. Out of the the four teams that are in the playoffs, in your opinion, at the moment, if say first of all Villa were to go up, how do you sort of see them getting on in the Premier League next season? Or if you thought you know Villa or not necessarily Villa go up, but out of the the other teams, who would you say at the moment has sort of the the best squad to, you know, sort of adapt and, and hopefully stay up in the Premier League? From the playoffs? Yes. The playoffs yeah. in particular? Yeah. Um, do you know what? 
I have to say Villa. Gen- yeah, genuinely, I completely agree with you. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah, I, there's there's a lot of players in that in that team that I don't think people realise how good they are. Yes, um, Connor Hurahan. I think he's a Premier League standard midfielder. Jack Grealish, you know, again, a Premier League standard midfielder. Berkey Abianison as well. Um, James Chester uh, is 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 fantastic as things go. I think we could do with you know replacing. I mean, as much as I love Alan Hutton, I don't think he works in the Premier League. Uh, we'd have to bring in another another winger um, to to replace Robbie Snodgrass, or in fact, try and sign him on a permanent deal. Um, we'd also have to get Johnston in on a permanent deal. But from the teams that are there, it has to be Villa. And if Fulham go up, yeah, you know, Ryan Sessegnon won't be there next season. You know, that's that, that's the way I look at it, and he's the only thing really which is separating things for me. Yeah, I'd, uh, I completely agree with that. I think for Fulham, it is, you know, obviously they were unlucky to miss out on automatic promotion. But I think, obviously, every team wants to go up. I think for Fulham in particular, you know, promotion for them is absolutely vital. I think if they don't go up, it will be very hard for them to keep hold of the likes of, as you mentioned, Sessegnon, Ryan Kearney. You'd probably think Mitrovic would want to be playing Premier League football, whether it's, you know, with Newcastle, where I don't particularly see him having much of a future. But, you know, someone else in particular... I can't see him wanting to stay around in the championship. Doesn't, and doesn't have the temperament for it, though. That that's yes. that's the issue. You know, they, they, they've they've done well this season, Fulham, right? But you know, Mitrovic hasn't had a hasn't had an issue, uh, hasn't had many issues, right? Hasn't had to pipe off at anybody. Mitrovic in the Premier League, he'll pipe up. You know, when when he's losing games and being constantly put under pressure. Yeah, I um, Jake who. You know, uh, records this show sort of to go a bit behind the scenes and is on the Premier League podcast. Who's the the Newcastle fan and and Russ, the Fulham fan that we have on here, was sort of talking about that exact point when when Fulham signed him. They were saying Fulham, uh, Fulham, Russ couldn't believe that you know they'd managed to get Mitrovic and Newcastle had let him go. And Jake said, you know, listen, he's a he's a fantastic talent, but you know when things aren't going your way in a Newcastle side that don't win every week in the Premier League or you know, aren't expected to. I think Mitrovic, you know, and it, you might argue that it's a good trait to have, you know, he's born winner, but it can be sort of detrimental to the team, you know, if, if you've got one player who's, you know, sort of giving it to the manager and, and other players in particular. So, yeah, completely agree with that point that, you know, he's he's really got to sort of grow up, I guess, is the, the best way of sort of putting it if he wants to play in the Premier League. But I think he's definitely got the talent for it. So, I think, yeah, Fulham for them, it is going to be make or break. Um, quite a lot of their players, you know, will be sought after, and rightly so, with how they've performed over the second half of this season. So it's going to be very interesting sort of watching the the second legs unfold this week and then, you know, obviously covering the final as well. Um, <laughs> I hope it will be more entertaining than last year's final was between Reading and, and Huddersfield because, you know, for that 90 minutes, I think I must have <laughs> dozed in and out of consciousness about three or four times and then sort of just stayed awake long enough to watch the, the penalty shootout at the end. But with sort of the teams on show in the playoffs this time, I think, you know, it'll be a, a very different story. Um, but sort of with that, we're out of time. It's been a pleasure to have you on, Daniel. And, um, you know, hopefully for you, you do go up. But if you don't, we'd love to have you on next season as well to, to talk about Aston Villa. We've uh, we've been trying to get an Aston Villa fan for quite a while. And, you know, absolute pleasure to have you on today. It's uh, it's flown by the episode so far. Um, but before you go, if you want to let anyone know, you know, any, I know you mentioned the podcast and stuff at the start, any mm-hmm. Twitter handles, anything like that, that people can follow you on or anything like that, you know, now's a great time. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, thanks again for inviting me on. Might well be the last chance I get to jump on a championship podcast. Um, although, uh, you know, if, if if I really feel hungry for it, I will masquerade as a, um, as a I don't know, give me a random team in the championship, a team that I like. Oh, I was going to say West Brom, but... <laughs> Yeah, um, okay. I don't I know. That's that's not that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> I was, right, I was just... thinking of teams around Birmingham. So um, yeah, no, forget forget the know. Birmingham side. Don't worry. Uh, um, you can come on. I don't know. A Brentford fan. They right, people like it. the way they play football. So yeah, I, I like the way the Brentford play football too. Right. Uh, so yeah, go. but uh, masquerade as a, as, a, as a Brentford fan next season if we can't if we can't get anything sorted in terms of uh, Villa Villa um, not going up. Uh, but yeah, obviously, if you do want to listen to more of my stuff, obviously uh, the Holtcast is is the Villa podcast that I'm involved in um and uh this summer we're hoping to do some some exciting stuff hopefully interview a few former players and whatnot but uh if you want to get to me on twitter at dh raza feel free to follow i am very active on there um and if you want to follow me on instagram it's the exact same twitter handle yeah and as i mentioned at the start i'm james i'm on every week hosting the the championship podcast you can find me on my personal twitter which is at underscore james vickers where i mainly tweet about preston north end and quite a lot of german football as well so if you're interested in either of those you know definitely give me a follow uh, and more importantly you can reach us on the show our twitter page is at championship pod twitter sort of for the show has only been up a few months but we're getting close to 300 followers now so you know if you sort of drop a follow on that it's much appreciated there's plenty of polls and everything like that throughout the week. And then obviously we we tweet each new episode when it comes out as well. So definitely check us out. Uh, as I said, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Daniel. Best of luck for the, the second leg. And hopefully uh, we can get you back on talking about the Wembley final uh, before it's all said and done as well. Um, but cheers for joining me today uh, and we'll see you next time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.